It's wonderful to be together in the house of the Lord. And we want to say welcome to, uh, to everybody uh, who is here for the first time. If this is your first time here at Keilata Carmel, would you just stand so we can uh, uh, recognize you? Welcome. Welcome. God bless you. Okay. Thank you for being here today. Could you just uh, pray with me a moment uh, before we go to the Word of God? Lord, I pray that you'll give us open hearts and spiritual ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Grant us a spirit of revelation so that the truth can go deep into our hearts and lives. I pray for your covering over this meeting and your anointing upon this word. Pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I believe that uh, today's message uh, is a little different than uh, messages I brought before. In the past, uh, in the last few months, I've been focusing more on personal messages. But for some reason, I feel that this one today is a message about looking, uh, looking into the future. So if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. And I want to um, give you a landscape of what we're going to be facing uh, in the days ahead. Matthew chapter 24, let's begin in verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. One of the primary signs of this age that we live in will be deception and false belief. Yeshua said, take heed, be careful that no one deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. I believe this word characterizes the age in which we live today. That we face a world where major challenges come because many people are deceived. Deceived by false belief, false religion, false messiahs. We live in a day that's characterized by wars and rumors of wars. Terrorism, which used to be pretty much localized here, is spreading all over the world. Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. We have many problems recently right here on our northern border. There's been fighting at Hardov once again. Yeshua said these would be the signs. They would characterize the days before his return. Famine, we face famine in a world as advanced as ours. Places like the Sudan, places like North Korea, Mozambique, people are starving to death. What about pestilence? Even in an age with such advanced medical treatment. I heard recently there are 40 million people in the world today with AIDS. And 
And if you've been following the news, you know people are very concerned about the possibility of bird flu becoming another pandemic. Yeshua said that there would be pestilences, great diseases in the days before his return. He mentioned earthquakes. I don't know, but it seems like everywhere I go, they're having an earthquake. Every time you pick up the newspaper now, there's a new earthquake somewhere. I mean, it's even gotten to the point where we don't really um, almost pay much attention to earthquakes as long as they're far from here. That recent huge one in uh, Kashmir, I mean, that killed thousands of people. Then it was just a year ago when with the greatest natural disaster in living memory, the Indian Ocean tsunami, Yeshua said there would be earthquakes in various places. But these are the beginnings of birth pangs. They're like the contractions that a woman has as she's bringing a baby into this world. You know those contractions begin very mild with long periods of time in between and they, they grow. So that by the time the baby is born, you have great contractions very with even just seconds in between. How do you women get through this? I don't know personally. <laughs> but, but what I'm told is that, is that you don't focus on the pain. You don't yield to fear. You focus on the new life that is being born. So, so Yeshua said that these days, the tensions and the pressures increasingly in our time would be like the pangs of a woman coming into birth. So my question is, okay, Lord, what's being born? How do we stay from being troubled in these times? What do we focus on? What's coming? I believe there's a, a wonderful passage in the Brit Hadashah that explains this. And it has to do with who you and I are in this world. It has to do with what God is, expects of us and why he's called us together into a, a redeemed community. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And let's read in verse 19. Romans 8 verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen. The Spirit speaks clearly to us through the scripture. The whole creation is eagerly waiting for something. And it has to do with the revealing of God's children in this world. Who are the people who are genuinely the sons and daughters of the Most High? This word from God says that the whole creation is waiting to see this. The creation groans and in its expectation says, when will I see them? The people for whom this creation was made. The inheritors of this creation. The followers of the rightful ruler of this creation. Where are these people? When will they be revealed? 
The creation waits for this. Look in verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God allowed sin to come into this world and to, and to fracture it. Because he had the hope, the glorious hope of salvation already in his heart. So sin came upon this creation. God allowed it because he hoped for something greater in the future. What was this thing that God hoped for? Look at the next verse, verse 21. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> now it's time to say hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. You know, and we were touching that in the worship this morning. You know, people were bouncing up and down. There was liberty in the house of God. But God says it's got to it's gotta be much more than that. Because our liberty is to release the creation from bondage. That's why the spirit of Yeshua has been given to each one of us. To come to a place of freedom in him. A place of freedom and power in him. That will lead this broken, hurting creation into freedom. Now look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Here are the birth pangs I believe that Yeshua was referring to. Here's God's hand behind the incredible tensions and pressures and problems that are coming on this world. And as we head into the next year, 2006, don't think that it will be less than birth pangs. Unforeseen things will happen. Things that no one can predict at this point. Things perhaps only God knows about. But this, these words have been revealed to us. Yeshua said, see to it that you are not troubled. These things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Keep yourself focused on what's being born. A people of God is being born. The pressures that you and I are subjected to are for God's purpose. To separate in us the wheat from the chaff. To press out the precious oil of God's anointing in us. To subject us to the fire of purification and testing. So that we as the children of God will emerge purified. 
Powerful. Beautiful. What the creation is groaning and longing to see. I believe this is what revival is all about. When we talk about revival, we talk about the birthing of this in people. It's the, it's the coming into new life of people like you and me. Individually and then corporately as a community of God. But it's more than just a change that takes place in us. I believe true revival is more than just a visitation from God. True revival is a process that reforms. True revival is when the Spirit of God breaks out of buildings like these and ultimately impacts every area of our nation. It's true revival should impact education. It should impact business and government. It should impact entertainment. We want more than just a visitation. We want a revival that leaves fruit. Fruit that remains generation after generation. Fruit that can be seen. Fruit that transforms. We pray for ourselves and for our kehila. But this morning, we pray for our government. And we pray for the people of Israel. But when we release those powerful prayers to the heart of God, let's realize that he's looking to us to be the agents of that change. We and those we disciple will go out from here and change. That's genuine revival. Revival that transforms a society. Revival that leaves fruit that lasts for a generation and a generation after that. This is the kind of revival they had in the days of Yeshua and in the days of the Apostle Paul. This is what they built with the new life that Yeshua gave to them. Let's take a look at that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's, let's study, let's examine how the Holy Spirit changed them. Because I believe it's a wonderful picture about how he wants to use us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6. This is a letter from, from uh, Shaul, the, the apostle. And to a kehilah that he himself planted. He's talking about the work of God. And I want uh, to especially address these words to those of you who are serving in some capacity, either in the various ministries of this community or in your communities back home. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, 
but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst? It's to build us. We are God's field. We are God's building. We don't need to look any further than right here for revival. You are the revival. You are what God is doing in this land. When God looks over Haifa this morning, he sees three or four or five or six places where the believers are gathering. When he looks at the top of the Carmel, how many places does he see? How many places is, is praised in the name of Yeshua being raised to the Lord in this land? We are God's building. We are his field. And so many of us are God's fellow workers. Now let's, let's see how, how this apostle understood his work. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Yeshua HaMashiach. We're all part of this kingdom that the Holy Spirit is building. Each one of us has a specific call and gifting to perform that call. What binds us together is we're building on the same foundation. There's no other foundation that can be found other than this one, Yeshua the Messiah. Verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's I'm sorry, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. You are the work of God. Not just the workers for God. God is building you and me into his house. Into his habitation. We are his building. We are his craftsmanship. The end product that he has in his vision are people who are genuinely the children of God. People that the rest of the creation will look to and say, there they are. There they are. Those are the children that God has made. They are the ones who will bring liberty, who will bring life to this world. We are, we're, we're different because of that. And that's why we labor. That's why we serve. That's why we work. Each one of us in our separate ways. 
building on the same foundation. Because God wants here in the land of Israel a body that can be identified as Yeshua's. And you are that body. And God is subjecting us to greater and greater pressures. But Yeshua says those pressures are to be like birth pains. So this, this body of Yeshua can be birthed, can be born healthy and strong here in the land of Israel. Many of you serve here in the Kehillah. Or a Carmel. Beit Yedidiyah. Beit Nitzachon. Adered Eliyahu. The Women's Refuge. Interns. The School of Ministry. And many more. And, and next year there will be even more. More opportunities to serve and to build. But the Holy Spirit says this. Let's each one of us be careful how we build on that foundation. With gold, silver, precious stones. Let's build a building with sacrifice. Let's build according to the, to the plan, the master plan of God. And not build with wood, hay, or stubble. Things that won't last. How would I characterize wood, hay, and stubble? I think one of the best descriptions is uncommanded labor. When we try to serve the Lord and do things that are in our mind, but not necessarily in His. Uncommanded labor will take away our vitality and our strength. Let's, let's each one be careful how we build on the foundation that Yeshua has laid for us. I believe that in the coming year we're going to grow. And that the Lord wants us to conserve this harvest, to, to, to find ways so that it won't be lost. When we reach out in our outreaches to the beach, with the Yeshua video, in various ways that the Holy Spirit has given to each you know, if, when it rains here in the land, it's a very precious thing. And often I look out my window when it's raining hard and I see the water running down the street. And I think, I wish there was some way that they could capture all that water so it won't be lost. Because we all know how desperately we need water here in this land. The Holy Spirit is going to rain on us. I believe there's going to be some heavy downpours. But let's be attentive to the Lord and find ways to conserve this so that it won't be lost. Now, in that first revival under the Apostle Paul, I don't believe that he ever saw a mass movement. I believe the things he wrote to Corinth, he wrote to small groups meeting in homes here and there. And I, and I believe that what, what later happened in Corinth and all over that region, 
Thousands and thousands of people coming to the Lord Paul never saw. I believe he saw it by faith. But he recognized the intense importance of that remnant that was there in that city. And I want to take a few minutes right now to try to impress that upon you and I. It's easy for us here in the land of Israel to look around and to, and to feel that we are very small. It's easy for us who have been here many years to feel insignificant and without influence in this land. But I'm sure it was also true of those believers in Corinth. Probably they were just a handful of people in a society that was hostile to what they believed. And no one knew what they would become except God himself. But the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, you're God's building. You are God's field. You are the hope of your city. You are the seed of redemption. And so I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us in this land today. You are the remnant. You are the revival. You are the hope of Israel. You are the seed that redeems this nation. Without you, how will all Israel be saved? It's your life, your walk, your faith that will change. It is you who bring transformation to this country. It's vitally important how each one of us lives our life of faith. Don't surrender to the feeling, oh, we're so small in number. What possible difference do we have? Because when God looks at this nation, he sees you first. Because if Yeshua is living in your heart, you are his child. And what you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to do and to accomplish in this life is what will be done. Now, when the Bible speaks of Israel, it often speaks of a remnant. And the scriptures about the remnant of Israel have both a physical and a spiritual meaning. I would like to look at a few of those scriptures this morning. So turn with me to the prophet Jeremiah. And let's begin in verse 23. 23. And let's look in verse 3 and 4. Here's what God spoke to Jeremiah. Verse 3. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they will fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. I believe there's a physical remnant as well as a spiritual remnant being spoken of here. Physically, God says, I'm going to bring my people back to the land of Israel. I'll bring back the remnant of my flock and bring them back. But there I will set shepherds up over them who will feed them. 
And I believe here the Lord is speaking in a spiritual way. It reminds me of those scriptures in the great prophet Ezekiel. Where Ezekiel says, God's going to bring the people of Israel back to the land. And then he's going to pour clean water on them. And then he's going to give them a new heart. And then he's going to put his spirit within them. And then they're going to walk according to his word. And then he will be their God, and they will be his people. I believe this is a spiritual remnant that the Lord is speaking about. And spiritual shepherds who will feed this remnant spiritual food. Let's, let's go on. Look in Isaiah chapter 10. This is such a rich study. Because in so many times, the Lord uses his remnant to accomplish his purposes. God doesn't wait until he has a great majority on his side. But he finds a remnant who are going along with him. He'll choose that remnant to work with them. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. I believe, again, we're talking about a physical return, but a spiritual return as well. That God is bringing his people back to this land so that they will turn back to him. And I believe that's why he's raised up congregations like this one and caused us to grow and will cause us to grow yet more so that there, his house is full because this is part of the spiritual return to the mighty one of Israel. It's, it is here that the pure water of the word of God will wash hearts. It's, it's here in places like this where a new heart in Yeshua will be given to the people of Israel. It's places like this where the Spirit of God will live once again in His people. So I think you understand. It's a, we're living in the days of a physical return to the land of Israel. But we are part of a spiritual return. And you could say that we are that remnant who have spiritually returned. So many of us in this congregation are olim hadashim, new immigrants. So many of you physically return to the land that God gave to your forefathers. But, but on, you're part of the remnant that God has brought back from the nations. But not only that, faith in Yeshua has been born in your hearts. And you've become part of this great spiritual return. You are the spiritual remnant of Israel. God loves his remnant. 
The remnant is special to God and to his purposes. Look in the next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 11. This beautiful scripture puts this faith in Messiah together with the remnant. Look in verse 10, Isaiah 11. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse who will stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles will seek him, and his resting place will be glorious. Virtually everyone who studies this scripture knows that it refers to the Messiah. The Messiah is the root of Ishai. He is the one that will draw the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Now look in verse 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will set his hand again a second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, Patros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the islands of the sea. Verse 12. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Okay, so here you see this return is joined with the expectation of the Messiah. But Yeshua told us to take care that no one deceives us. He said many will come in his name. He said there will be false messiahs, false beliefs. It's important for us as the people of Israel that we identify this root of Ishai, this root of Jesse with Yeshua, the Messiah. I think any other understanding of this would be deceptive. God has brought his people back to be saved. To be saved through Yeshua, the Messiah. And we see this throughout the New Testament as well. The Apostle Paul quotes this extensively in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11. Why don't we take a look? Look with me in, um, let's go to Romans chapter 11. Verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, but what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to bow. So then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. This remnant is so important in the eyes of God. Some of you may know the story in the, in the Bible about Sodom and Gomorrah. They were cities characterized by awful and gross sins. They had fallen away from worship of the living God. Idolatry and sensuality was rife. Some would even characterize aspects of our society here today like that. But Sodom and Gomorrah were not judged because of their sins. God's destruction did not come on those cities because of what they did. God's judgment came on those cities because of the lack of righteousness within them. 
You know how the story goes. Abraham bargained with God. And God said, if you can find ten righteous people in Sodom, I'll spare the whole city. That's the power of the remnant. If there had been a remnant in Sodom, they would not have been destroyed. You are the remnant in Eretz Israel today. God shows mercy to this country because of you. That's the incredible responsibility of being called a child of God. And you know, ultimately, it's not just this nation that depends on the remnant. The scriptures we read earlier said the whole creation is groaning and crying out for the revealing of this remnant. God shows mercy to Eretz Israel because of who you are. And how you live your life, how you build on the foundation of Yeshua is what's going to change this country. God has no other plan. Who is the rightful inheritor of the land of Israel? To whom does this land rightfully belong? Not just this land, but everything in it and on it. Well, we'd have to say, well, to God. And to who he wills it. I want you to follow this along. Turn with me to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and let's look in verse 7. I think this is very important for us right now in this year. Because our country is in tremendous tension right now. As Danny prayed earlier, the political landscape of Israel is being changed now. The events that are happening now will determine what Israel is like as a nation for the next generation. And you know what it's over? It's, it's over the land. So let's understand who is the rightful inheritor of the land. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the land. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. And indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the land and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Look down in verse 29 of the same psalm. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. So who is meek? Who is truly righteous? I think we would have to say there's really only one. It's Yeshua the Messiah. The righteous one. There is none righteous. No, not one. 
except for this one whom God has sent. Meek as a lamb who came to give his life as a sacrifice. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So who's meek? Who's righteous? Who waits upon the Lord to do his will? That one is the rightful inheritor of this land. Who could that person be? None but Yeshua HaMashiach. This land is his. And it's given to him and his body. You are his body. You are the remnant. You are the rightful inheritors of this land. It's for you that God shows mercy to this nation. God waits for you to, to grow up and take your inheritance here. Like a father, he's patient, waiting for his children. But the time has to come when, you, when we understand who we are. We're, we're not a subculture. We're not a fringe religious group. We're not a group of outcasts and foreigners and people who haven't found their place. We're the remnant of God. It is for us, for you, for me, for your families that God has brought this people back. We need to grow up into this. Into this glorious liberty of the children of God that the whole creation is waiting to see. We need to grow up into this, the full stature of Messiah. Because otherwise, this nation will go through grinding pressures and pain and suffering without ever knowing why. Because in a very real way, you're the answer. It is for you, little flock. It is to you that God wants to give his kingdom. If you are in his righteousness, if you accept his meekness, if you wait patiently upon the Lord, you are the inheritor of this land. I want to be part of this remnant. I believe it's important that we understand who we are, that we learn to pray and intercede for this country, that we work with all of our might to build this body up with gold and silver and precious stones, with sacrifice that will last from this generation to the next, and that we walk in the stature and the power of this, this call to inherit the land. Now, there's, there's a big argument over, over this land, as you know. 
parts are being given away and parts are being held on to. The fight, the battle is going, to, is going to touch every nation of this world. And in the coming year, it's just going to grow and grow in intensity. But you're the answer. You're the seed of redemption for this nation. It's like, it's like a secret, a mystery that's hidden in the heart of God. But he says, and so all Israel will be saved. I speak to you with confidence this morning because I know that you, that we will persevere. I know that this revival will not go out, but it will grow and grow and grow and grow. I know that we will come through every birth pang stronger. I know that we will see this glorious thing that God is bringing to pass. And that we will pass something real, something eternal on to a generation to come. And we will become the inheritors of this land. We who walk in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. We who are of his flock. I believe it's time for us to call out for mercy. For mercy on this nation. For God's compassion to be shown. But it's time to call out to God that we will walk, grow into that full stature. And understand our incredible call is the Israel of God. The remnant within the remnant the apple of God's eye, the very focus of his attention. And, and as we do, God will add to it and will continue to grow. And his kingdom will continue to advance week by week, month by month. Please bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your remnant this morning. I want to thank you for every single person that you've called out of darkness. You've called to be your representative in this land here today, here and now. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, you'll speak to us about the high and holiness of our calling and how special we are to him. That no one will go from this room today doubting that they are special in God's sight. And that the expectation of the Father upon us is great. That he called us purposefully for this. He chose us for this. I'm talking not only to Jewish people who are part of the physical remnant. I'm speaking also to Gentiles who have joined themselves and been grafted in, who are raising their families here in the land. Scripture says elsewhere to you, you also, you have an inheritance among the native born. Friends, let's, let's determine today that we're going to walk in our, 
integrity and our identity in him. And that we will be part of that body that brings a change to Eretz Israel. And we will bring honor and glory to Yeshua the Messiah. Because he is the son of God. And he is the rightful ruler of this nation. And he is the rightful inheritor of this land. Now I'd like to, I believe that, that many of you would like to pray. I believe that you want to reaffirm your, your identity as part of God's remnant today. And some of you want to say, I'm, I want to claim my inheritance. I want to have what God has given me in this place. Some of you are realizing that you are God's revival. This is the revival in Eretz Israel. You know, listen, those believers in the New Testament, when they got that letter from the Apostle Paul, they didn't know that we'd be reading about them for 2,000 years. You know? They were probably just kind of hanging on, you know? They, they, they got that letter and it encouraged them. Well, Paul, at least Paul is thinking about us. Maybe they didn't realize that they were the revival that would change their world. Well, God wants to tell us we're the revival that's going to change the land of Israel. We are the remnant. We are God's plan. And God will anoint us to accomplish everything that he wants. Some of you are saying in your heart, I am God's revival in Israel. Some of you are saying, I need to recommit myself to be revived myself. I want to commit myself to seek his face so that I will know I'm part of all Israel being saved.